right, well, my name is Grace. I am from Ohio. I'm a compulsive overeater. I have been in recovery. Um, it will be, I've been in, in recovered and abstinent, and it will be uh, five years, the end of this July. Um, so it's coming up. And uh, so I, I'm going to say a short prayer to invite God into this. So dear God, I just invite you into this. I pray that you take my hands off of it. I pray that you, this is your talk. This is your story on how you transform my life. And and I just pray that um, that people can see that through my words, that this is all you. I had nothing to do with this and and what I did to get where I am. And, um, and I just give it to you. Amen. Um, so like I said, I'm Grace. Um, I was a compulsive overeater from very, I mean, I, I never remember not being overweight. Um, I was size 18 in the eighth grade. I graduated high school at 275. I lived my whole adult life around 310 pounds. Um, and that, that was my best thinking. That was me every day, getting up, fighting the food, finding the, the diet, the pills, the potions, the workouts, the books. I never remember not being on a diet. I never remember, um, not trying to fix this. Cause if I could fix this, then, then everything else was fine. And, um, and you know, there was a lot of things that happened in my early childhood that, that I, that would have, I'm a compulsive overeater because the food affects me and I have an allergy to it, but I did have things in my childhood that I'm glad that I had something to give me that ease and comfort. Um, my dad was terminal and he finally passed away when I was 14. Um, I started cutting in, in middle school and high school. Uh, I always felt different. I always felt odd, alone. I remember being at a school dance and this boy came up and asked me to dance and I knew his friends were behind him because it was, it had to have been a joke. Like that's, that's how I thought of myself growing up. And I say that to say this is that I needed a solution back then. I needed something to give me that ease and comfort. I found it in food first. Later on, I found it in alcohol and food. Um, if the food's been down, the alcohol has been up. And if the alcohol has been down, the food's been up. I definitely traded those substances um, my whole life for ease and comfort for an effect. Um, and it, it really mentally, it being that overweight my entire life, it mentally did, um, it affected me, you know, like I, you know, I, I'm so glad for this recovery program because I, I get to live past that. Um, so anyway, um, so growing up, like I said, I, my whole adult life, it was, I was 310 pounds. And I, the first time I remember using food for an effect, I had a paper out. And so I, I kind of had my own money, but I, um, I would actually steal quarters from the papers that my houses were delivered at. And I would go uptown and I would buy a whole bag of candy and I would go down by the river and I would eat it. And that was the first time that I knowingly was getting an effect, like, and just planning that, knowing I was going to go do that, knowing that I was going to, um, have that it it gave me it gave me that ease and comfort it gave me um all of that and so um 
So growing up, I got married at 19 and um, we were married uh, that whole time. And I was up and I was down through all my diets, all my schemes, all my workouts, all my plans to lose weight. I never dipped down below 240. Like that was my best thinking. And, and I was either going up or down. I was getting a book and I was reading it and, and memorizing it. And then I came up with the perfect diet plan and the perfect grocery list and the perfect meal plan. And I would go shopping and, um, and I, I would do it all perfectly. (laughs) And, you know, that first slip, that first fail, that first time that I didn't do it right. Then I was off to the race and I was binging again and I was binging and I was purging and I was binging. And, and I mean, I was a bulimic. I wasn't a good bulimic because it never controlled my weight. It was just another way to control the food because I would eat so much and be so uncomfortable. Um, that bulimia, you know, and I, I've done bulimia for on and off for my whole adult life. So, um, so that was just another way that I manipulated the food and tried to control it. And And there were a lot of, you know, it talks about frothy emotional appeal. There were a lot of reasons for me to lose weight. Um, I was married 10 years. I couldn't have kids because of my weight. My weight was so high. My hormones were imbalanced. I didn't have periods. I had, I had facial hair. I had breast hair. I had receding hairlines. I still have alopecia from, you know, the hormone imbalance. And those are very traumatic things that a woman goes through to not feel womanly. And that was a really, you know, had I not been a food addict, that would have been a good reason to put the food down. Any logical person would have said, um, well, this doesn't make sense. If, if food is causing this, then just put the food down. And, and I would try, um, I would try to put the food down and I just couldn't. And, um, so I went, a lot of frothy emotional feels because it took me 10 years to have kids and all these milestones um kept happening I I couldn't have kids and so you know I played this game of like yeah but when I get to have kids like once I'm pregnant I've tried for so long 10 years like once I'm pregnant then I'll be able to put the food down because I'm not going to risk an unhealthy pregnancy I'm going to be able to put the food down. And, um, and that happened. I got pregnant and I wasn't able to put the food down. And then it was, well, once I have kids, I'm going to want to instill in them healthy eating and I'm not going to binge. I'm not going to purge. I'm I'm not going to do all these things. And, and I had kids and I remember my breaking point where I said, what is going on? I had a two-year-old and I had a six-month-old and I was in the bathroom and I, I binged and purged through my whole pregnancies, both of them. I I was in the bathroom binging and purging and my two-year-old was outside the door asking what was wrong. And I, you know, I, I broke, I thought, what is wrong with me? Like, what is wrong with me that I cannot control and I can't get this under control. And, um, so that was, that was truly my breaking point. And, um, I always have, I was married to a normal eater and this, and this was, you know, we were married for 14 years. So like, I have a lot of experience with living with a normal eater and, and 
and this is why I'm different. I would go to the, the donut shop and I would get half a dozen of donuts knowing that he probably didn't want any, like I could probably eat all of them. And I would have them all planned out. I'd have, you know, two for breakfast, you know, two right before lunch, maybe two early in the evening. And I'd have them all planned out for the day. And, but then like, I'd eat my two and that probably wasn't enough. So I'd probably have three for breakfast. And, and then I wouldn't really wait till lunch. Cause you know, this is a binge. So like, you know, a couple hours later, I wasn't completely miserably stuffed. So I'd go out and get another one. And so I'd, I'd bump up the timeline. Now I've had four. So I'll wait a couple hours. I'll eat the last two. And from the time I got those donuts to the time they were gone, they never left my mind. I never quit thinking about them. I never, I never walked away and somehow forgot. And, and now my husband, he would know I got donuts and he would know they were out on the kitchen counter. And I'd ask him politely, kind of knowing that he didn't want any, um, you know, did you want a donut this morning? And he'd say no. And he's not a compulsive overeater. Three days later, he'd ask me if the donut, if, if there were any donuts left. And I thought, those were gone within six hours and when I bought them and I never quit thinking about them, but he was able to move on. He was able to stop thinking about him. He was, you know, they didn't consume him. And, um, and that I didn't, you know, I, I'd ask, you know, like, I got to the point, I'm like, how does he do that? Like, how does he do that? How does he have that willpower? He was very skinny. He was very tall. He was, you know, how does he have that willpower that he doesn't think about the food? Like I think about the food and, and the food didn't do anything for him. You know, a donut's a donut. He doesn't, you know, eat more than it's like me and water. I I've never had a problem with water when I'm not thirsty, I quit drinking. And, um, so, but he did, you know, like he, well, he was able to do that with the food. Food was like water to him when he was hungry, he ate. And when he was full, he stopped. And, and I just never had any experience with that. I was always fighting the food and I was always thinking I lacked willpower and that's why I was overweight and that's why I couldn't control it. So I had no answers. Um, it truly was exhausting all of my options that surrendered me to OA. And I didn't know what OA was. I walked into my first meeting. Um, I had looked at OA right after my first son was born and I decided it didn't have time. Then it would involve meetings and involve being away from the house. And, and my addict perfectionism, you know, said I needed to be a mom 100% of the time and I didn't have time for this. And so I rationalized and justified my way um, to not go to a meeting. But after I hit that breaking point where I was thrown up and I had the two kids and the one was outside the bathroom door and all those milestones had happened in my life that I thought was going to make me normal. Um, when that happened, then I was, I was surrendered. Um, so I really took my first step before I walked into the door that um, I didn't have another option. I didn't have another diet lined up. I didn't have the thing that I thought was going to fix me. I didn't have the next yeah, I was big on like, well, I'm going to go on vacation next summer. So if I lose, if I lose eight pounds a month from here till now, that's 40, 40 some pounds. And I, you know, and I, I do this countdown. I didn't have that lined up. I didn't, I didn't have that next hope. I didn't have any hope because I tried it all. I had exhausted it all. Um, so I walked into my first OA meeting and the leader, it was actually a big book OA meeting, which is 
I don't know where you guys are from, but I live in rural Ohio. And right now there are two meetings probably within an hour from me. And I wouldn't say they're super healthy meetings, but this meeting was a big book meeting and they were preaching a message and they were preaching abstinence and they were, um, I'm just so glad that I walked in and I got a clear cut message because I'm kind of a unicorn. I walked into my first meeting, the leader, um, I asked her to be my sponsor. I got abstinent and I've been abstinent for over five years now or not, not quite five years now. Um, so, but she gave me a message. She gave me a message that I was different, that I have an allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, that I'm never going to be able to eat substances, um, my ingredients normally. I'm never going to beat the system. I'm never, um, it's never going to be different. And there was a big mourning period with that because my whole life, I thought, no, you just have to teach me how to eat normal. I never knew that this was um, an option was to, to never, ever eat these substances again. And so there was a big mourning period. You know, I think about well, what about when my kids have birthday parties or when I make their cake or when I have my kids' weddings or um, what about homemade ice cream? I was like the queen of homemade ice cream. You know, what, what about, like, what about all of these things? You know, what about um, vacations? I mean, I, we vacation to eat, you know, like I've never, I didn't know how to live without the food because I would have been 32 when I came in. So that's a lot of adult years that, I mean, food surrounded every get together, every holiday, every cookout, every, everything. I mean, the society, we, you know, it, it's a treat for kids. It's a treat. I mean, it's a treat. It's a punishment. It's a, we use food in all kinds of ways. Um, so to, to truly look at it as nourishment, it was hard. My first, everything I did the first time in abstinence and sobriety, I was a horrible person because I was mourning. I was, you know, the first vacation, me and my husband and my kids went on that I was abstinent. I was, thank God it was only a three day vacation because it was horrible. Like I would not have wished that on anyone. And, um, because I thought my life was over. I hadn't got the promises yet. I hadn't got the recovery promises that happened once I put the food down and I worked the steps and I lived a spiritual life. I was in that limbo where I didn't have the food and I didn't have God. And I just didn't, I didn't know how to live. And, um, but I did, I, that's why we have sponsorship. That's why we have writing. That's why we have literature. That's why the people that are successful in this program, it's an immersion. It's not just a meeting once a week. It's, and that's why, you know, we're required to make phone calls and do outreach. And because the program and the 12 steps and God have to give us the effect that the food did, because if we don't get the effect that the food used to give us, we're going to go back to the food. And that's like with any addiction. Um, we're, we're humans. We are relief seeking missiles and, and I am a relief seeking missile. And if I'm not getting an effect by helping others and being of service and working the steps, um, I'm eventually going to get wound too tight and I'm going to get crazy. And I know the food works and I'm going to go back to the food. And I, and I see that with all kinds of addictions. Um, and that's why I stay in the program. I stay in the program 
and I, I don't worry about doing, doing it perfectly. There are hills, there's valleys five years in, you know, like it's not, we're not on hilltops all the time. And, and I, I accept that as part of the recovery process. Um, but, uh, so I got in, I got abstinent and I got down to a healthy body weight. Um, and, <laughs> and like I said, my previous best thinking, Grace's best thinking was about 220. And I broke up with my scale in recovery because I did not have a healthy relationship with it. Um, I'm a person that weighs myself and it's just never good enough. You know, even if I weighed myself today, I'd say, well, you know, if I could just lose a pound a month, you know, in six months, I could be in the 140s instead of the 50s. And, you know, and I know there's a lot of healthy people that can healthily weigh and they use that as, um, a guide and I'm just not someone who can do that. I can go by clothes size, but mainly I just go by abstinence. Um, you know, I, I know when I'm, when the food's down and the program's good and the, and I don't have, you know, I'm working a good program and, um, and that's, you know, I, I've just found the need that I don't have to weigh in program. So, um, so I took step one when I first came in the door and, and then I just worked the steps. My step three, um, my step three was I'm powerless. I have no answers and I'm willing to follow a sponsor and do the steps in order to find mm -hmm. a power. Um, and that's all I had for step three. I didn't have a God of my understanding. I didn't want the God I grew up with. I grew up in church and, and that's not the God that I gravitated towards. It's not the God that I wanted. Um, so I just did the steps and, and step five was a very good, powerful step for me. And it felt like it just, it, it unblocked me from this higher power and, um, One minute, and now living, I'm sorry, what? One minute. Okay. One minute. And, uh, now I live in step 10, 11 and 12 and, and it looks different every day. I, I have really surrendered this perfectionism part of my program and, and recovery um, some days my program looks like an all day deal and I'm, I'm in and out all day. I'm making phone calls. I'm listening to recovery speakers. I'm going to meetings and it, I'm just immersed in it. And other days I have a business, two kids. My mom is terminally dying from cancer. I'm actually unexpectedly pregnant. There's a lot going on right now. And, and what's great is I get to praise God for these blessings. I, you know, I get to live in today and, um, and, you know, I keep that, that, that path unlocked and I keep connected but I don't beat myself up anymore um, as much, I should say as much, because I can still get squirrely days where I think I'm not doing enough or I'm not enough or I'm not good enough or, um, but God is, is surrounding me with people and program and people in my life that actually love, love and support and, and protect. And, and I just keep showing up and um, it has been an amazing four and a half years and I am absolutely going to keep coming back and I'll pass.